microphone check one two what is this you're now listening to a brand new episode of the play big faster podcast look what you done started talk to him. attorney high performance coach and speaker sheree prince asks hard questions to really get to the bottom of what makes entrepreneurs tick from starting a business marketing strategies and the ins and outs of their industries we talk everything from book recommendations lifestyle hacks and everything possible to get you inspired and motivated to build your own business the play big faster podcast starts now let's go Do you have life insurance? We've got you. Get the best plans. Same day coverage. Get peace of mind for the price of a nice dinner. 24-7 by your son. Get your free quote in seconds with no obligations from Opus Insurance and Risk Services at www.opusirs.com. Welcome to another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. We are joined today by educator Teresa Barnes. Teresa, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Cherie? Look, I can't complain. Now, disclaimer, everybody, I've been knowing Dr. Barnes for years, and I've just been so impressed with her growth and education and just her vision for education. So we have her here today, and she's going to give us the secret sauce on what she's been doing <laughs> over all these years um, to help nurture the minds of the youth. Dr. Barnes, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful, Cherie. Thank you for having me on today. I appreciate the invite. Okay, and listen, if you don't mind, I'm going to call you Teresa because you're always going to be Teresa to me. Is that okay? That is just fine. All right. Well, listen, I mentioned that you have a new role um, and that new role, if you can just kind of tell us what it is and what you're doing. Okay. Yes, I just became a principal at a local middle school. Um, it uh, We're expecting to have about uh, 800 kids this year. So I'm going to have a large population of scholars. So I'm really excited about it. Um, I just started this position. However, I have been in education for 24 years. Um, I've been prepped for this position because I've been an assistant principal for eight years. Um, so I'm excited about this new school year and what's to come. Well, listen, that's a lot of other folks' kids you are dealing with from day to day. So look, kudos. My hat is definitely off to you on that. Now, when you talk about being prepped, when did you first know um, that you wanted a career in education? Um, I kind of was thrown into education and um, by my mother. Um, when people would come to our house, um, they would always ask her, why is she watching those uh, Little House on the Prairie, those type of shows, or the Waltons? Um, why is she always over there writing in a book or trying to teach someone else? And my mother would always say, she's going to be a teacher. And I think that was just instilled in me from a young age because she always said that. And so once it was time for me to go to college, um, in fact, before I went to college, my dad said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. He said, well, you have two options. You can work in the factory or you can go to college. Well, of course, I picked college because I'm not I'm not made for the factory. I'm just be honest. <laughs> 
So at that moment, I knew, okay, my mom had been telling me I was going to be a teacher. So I majored in education at Jackson State University, the Jackson State University. Yes. I love, yes, the blue and white. Yes, yes, ma'am. Majored in elementary education and um, had some great advisors, great advisors, the best experience of my life. I am so grateful that I went to an HBCU and majored in education. Um, I just feel like I would have gotten that same opportunity if I would have gone to a predominantly white school. Um, I knew that my professors cared about me. They made sure that I had all the opportunities possible. So by the time I had graduated, I was able to get an endorsement in elementary education, um, in secondary education, in math and social studies. And so because of that, it always opened me up to uh, many positions. So I was able to always know that I was going to have a job. So I was very appreciative to the advisors that I had at Jackson State University. So that's how I originally got into education. Look, that is a lot of schooling that you just described right there. So tell me that you mentioned that you are a local um, middle school. And Mm -hmm. that's Metro Jackson area, Mississippi, correct? Yes, that is. Well, tell us where you grew up at. Okay. Um, I am originally from Columbia, Mississippi, the home of Walter Payton. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Went to graduated from Columbia High School. Um, and then after I graduated, then I came on to Jackson to Jackson State University. Well, great, great. So the podcast, what we do a lot on here is we talk about, you know, things that shape the entrepreneurial journey um, and things that help entrepreneurs. So tell us what you think the philosophy is on education and how we should approach education when shaping the mind of youth. Um, the philosophy on education, I just believe that uh, we mold the minds of everyone. Everyone has to go through um, a teacher. If you want to be any, um, if you want to be a drug dealer, you want to be a doctor, you want to be an attorney, you want to be a singer. At some point, you have gone through a teacher who has taught you how to read, how to do math. So we have all been touched by a teacher at some point in our lives. So I believe that education drives our society. It also um, drives um, what happens around us. I had a conversation with someone on today about that um, a lot of people do not go to church anymore. Um, So the school is the place that has to change minds. So it's a place that changes minds as well. Um, in the area that I'm in, a lot of crime happens in this particular area. Um, so for that reason, I just believe within the school, I'm going to have to change the thought process of my scholars in order for them to be successful in life. Because if I do not do that, then they're going to continue down the path that they're on or someone outside of the building is going to influence them and they're going to go down the wrong path. Um, so School plays a huge part in changing the lives of uh, students and society as a whole. Now, when you say even drug dealers got a teacher, that is far, okay? Hashtag drug dealers get a teacher. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> no, and I just I really appreciate that because some people do not actually move toward education because they may look at the, the earning potential. That and I just think that teachers, firefighters, police officers, they even though it's public service, there is such a service to the public that I think they should be paid a lot more, as much as doctors and attorneys, um, because the value of the work that you do. So once again, kudos, Teresa, kudos for the work that you do. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you feel like may be misunderstood about educators that you want to share with people about that they just kind of correct what they understand about education? Um, I think that a lot of people think we're babysitters. We're not babysitters. Um, we are educators. Um, we educate students. Um, we change lives. We touch lives. We love our students. And so um, I, I don't want people to think that we don't love our job. We love our job because we get up every day. We go there with a smile on our face. Um, we uh, embrace our children when they get there and we tell them how much we care about them. I've had an opportunity to work from kindergarten all the way to community college. And for that reason, I've been able to see all levels of education. And I know that um, that educators care. Some people think that we don't because of their personal experience with education, especially a lot of parents. Um, and that's one thing that I want to change at my school. I want to change the culture of how people see schools. Um just because the parent had a bad experience at school and that they might have been mistreated while they were there, I don't want them to think the same thing is going to happen to their child while they're there. Um, so that's why I want the ideal of school to change so that when my parents come into the building, someone's going to acknowledge their presence and say, hey, if they can't address them right then, I'll be with you in one minute. Um, and then address the issue that the parent has because I want them to know that they're welcome there and that there's no reason for them to feel like they're not. So that's something that um, we're definitely going to work on. So that's um, one of those things that people think um, happens in a school that we mistreat their child. No, we're not going to mistreat your child. I was, um, I can remember back when I was in the second grade and my mother believed my teacher because during that time, the teacher was right. Um, now, the teacher is wrong and the student is right. And so now we're in a battle of trying to get parents to know that this adult has no reason to lie on your child. So um, we have to start changing that mindset as well. Kind of get not believe in everything the teacher says because it's always two sides of a story but giving the teacher an opportunity to say what occurred before you just start blaming the teacher because your child said this happened so those are some of the things that people think are misconceptions that people have about schools and so i also wanted to touch on um there has been a history of school shootings that that have happened across the nation and so I really want to get your thoughts on school security and maybe what can be done to kind of combat some of that and make people feel safe to send their kids to school. Yes, um, that it has been a tragic thing that we've been dealing with for a while now. And um, I think that the gun laws have to change because the children have so much accessibility to guns now. 
So that's one thing on a totally different level that has to occur. But at the school level, um, you know, I hate to even think about the fact that kids have to be afraid to go to school because someone might bring a gun. But it's the reality that we live in right now. Um, you know, we try to um, do a lot with doing uh, metal detectors when the kids are coming in, trying to check for those types of things. But who wants to go to a school where I got to walk through a metal detector right. or one down? Because I know that um, I would want to walk into a school freely knowing that I'm safe. But um, it's, it's a tragic thing. And I don't think right now until the law changes. We're going to continue to see those types of things happening. And uh, we just have to prep for it. Um, drills, 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 practice, 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 so that we can at least try to save as many lives as we can. Because if you look around the nation, it's happening everywhere. In fact, the world, um, you will see that people are just walking into facilities and just shooting. So it's no different uh, when it comes to the schools. But we, we are doing our best to keep our children safe because we love them. Um, and we do not want any of them to get hurt. Um, we don't want any of the faculty or staff to get hurt either. So um, it just really goes back to the law. It has to be changed. Um, the accessibility for students um, and outside people and getting those guns and being able to walk into schools and do things like that. So I know that at my school, I'm going to have um, double layers of security. We're going to lock certain doors so that people are forced to come through the front um, of the school. So that way, um, if anything, uh, you will not get past the front office. So and I know a lot of schools do not have that type of accessibility. But luckily at my school, we do have that type of accessibility where we're going to make sure that our doors are locked. And that um, in order for you to get to the students, you're going to have to go through several layers of security before you get there. And that is such forward thinking to kind of consider that. And now one thing that you touched on, you said that people are not going to church as much. Is that a result, do you think, of COVID? And if so, like, how do you think COVID has affected school performance and attendance? Okay, yes, yes, yes. Um, COVID has, has had a direct impact on school performance and attendance, in my opinion. I know that some people feel like it hasn't, but I know that a lot of students across the nation, um, they have not had access to computers. They don't have the technology um, for is internet or laptop or an, um, a tablet to be able to do their assignments on. And that has been a difficult thing. And then also um, it was when we went into quarantine because of COVID, um, that had a huge push for people trying to find ways to still educate children. And they had never been taught how to use the laptop at school or how to get on the tablet at school. So now you're telling me to come pick up a laptop or a tablet so my child can do their assignments, but they don't even know how to use it because we haven't been using it at school. So now, yeah, so now, you know, a lot of schools are trying to be one-to-one, uh, -one, each child getting a laptop or a um, iPad so that they can continue to use those things now after quarantine. So in case we have to go back into quarantine, they'll be able to utilize um, those devices. 
um, with the impact on education, I feel like um, because of that, um, that, uh, that, that gap there that the kids didn't have and knowing how to use the devices, also the teachers really didn't know how to teach via uh, Zoom. Or via, yes, because they had not been doing that in the regular classroom. I had been teaching you face to face, and now I'm having to get on Zoom or a platform like Canvas to try to teach you, and now I'm having to try to figure it out. So there was a deficit there for the teachers as well. So everybody was in a learning curve during that time. So because of that learning curve, a lot of kids missed out. A lot of kids did not uh, get what they needed for that first year. Um, I know that I spoke with a parent of, um, a couple of weeks ago and she was sharing with me that her child failed the um, state gateway test. And that's the test that third graders take in order to move to fourth grade. Because if you can pass that test, it means that you're going to be successful in reading and you're going to go on to fourth grade. Well, her child failed. And she feels like the reason why her child failed is because when he was in first grade, that was the beginning of COVID. So he was learning how to read. And then in second grade, we were not in, um, well, no, first grade, he was not in school. So he didn't get the complete first grade in learning how to read. And in second grade, you know, we moved to the devices. And so he was trying to learn how to read through the device, but he didn't have a person there to teach him how to read. So by the time he got to third grade, he was not successful on the test and he had to take the test um, this summer. And so she's waiting for the results from that now in order to see if he's going to be able to move to fourth grade. So things like that um, has impacted students um, throughout with COVID and the quarantine. So um, it's going to take a lot to recover, but I know that we can do it. Because we are educators and that's what we do. When the, when, when the rubber hits the road, we're going to be successful. So our kids are going to get back on track. Everything that they lost, they're going to regain. But it's just going to take a little time to get there. And I mean, I would just tell you personally, I had two kids at home during the beginning of COVID. And it was not easy. I mean, I've been to school a long time. And no matter what I've learned or degrees that I've learned, I am not, I don't have a mantle to teach. Like even my own kids, I can help them work, but I'm not a teacher. And I just, it was difficult for me to help my children with their homework because I'm just not used to doing it in that fashion. Homework, yes. Direct one-to-one principles. Yeah, not my thing. So yeah, my hands off to y'all because everybody can do it. Mm-hmm. Everybody can do it. So no. no. Everybody, and you know what? That's what parents found out uh, during quarantine. They found out that it's not as easy as a lot of people thought it is. It's not easy at all. Teaching someone how to learn, because I used to be a first grade teacher. So I used to teach kids how to read. And it's not that easy, but um, over time, because it takes a while for them to grasp how to read, you know, it, it was easy because I was a teacher and I went to school for elementary ed. But for a parent who's been working and now you tell me I have to teach my child how to read, uh-uh. And one thing I found out about kids, they don't want their parents to teach them anyway. Because I have two kids as well. And th- no, mama, 
I can do it myself. So I hey, it's very hard because you expect your child to know certain things that they may not know. But because that's your child, you're supposed to know this. I shouldn't have to tell you this. So yeah. <laughs> and I will tell you that since COVID, I have started giving the best gifts for teacher appreciation. <laughs> oh, I'm so serious. Like there are some things I don't know when math changed, but math has changed. Like way that they write numbers and everything. I was having to Google how to help my child with homework. And I still was messing it up. And there are days when I would work with my son and he'd be like, Mom, Miss So-and-so said that's not the way to do it. And so I'm like, who are you going to listen to? Miss So-and-so and your mom. <laughs> and of course, his mama was wrong. But you know. So, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Of course, as a parent, you think that, hey, uh, you were supposed to listen to me, but hey, it has changed so much that, you know, it's not done. Numbers have not changed. It's just the way that they're getting to the answer has changed. Yeah, the answer is the same. It's just how you get to the answer is different. Right. It used to just be two plus two was two. But no, yeah. now there's like, a, you, you, you do this, you do that, and you get this. I'm like, okay. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Do you want to start your own business? Confused about where to begin? Not sure if you can do this? I'm glad you made your way here. Cut through the confusion. I invite you to join in on the five-day Play Big Faster Challenge. You'll get step-by-step -step guidance on how to start and scale your dream business faster. Five days perfectly structured. Build the business you've always dreamed of without spending tons of money and hiring consultants or a lot of staff. Join the challenge today at www.playbigfaster.com. So what do you think is next for education? What do you think is like the next thing that helps the next level of Einstein's and Socrates and Plato's? Like we're birthing these people every day. What is it going to take in education to get our kids there seamlessly? Um, some of the things that we're going to have to do is start earlier. Um, a lot of school districts have the um, from the crib to the schoolhouse um, programs where they're going out to the hospitals and talking to parents about um, sending their kids to uh, preschool programs and um, early on. Um, so younger they are, the better we'll be off. Um, because, of course, it's easier to develop and create a mind when they're smaller because they're more willing to learn um, and they're able to grasp a whole lot um, because the child. Get, go ahead. No. And I, when you said they go to the hospitals it, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just thought about something. Homeschooling. I know when I was younger, I really didn't understand homeschooling. You know, I don't understand why some people went to a formal school and some did not. What are some of the things as it relates to homeschooling as well? Do you think that those kids, some of those kids are better prepared or ways that we can work with them to just develop all the children as a whole? Okay, so homeschooling can be a finicky kind of thing um, because if you don't really have a program at home to teach your child, um, that can backfire quickly. So um, sometimes people do not have like a program set up at their home. So if you decide that you're going to do homeschooling, I do highly recommend that you have a um, program set up 
at your home that's structured just like a school. You're going to wake up at eight o'clock and we're going to have breakfast and then we're going to go into ELA. Then we're going to move to math and you're going to have a break because those students can also participate at the public school with extracurricular activities. So you, the homeschool can actually pair with the school um, during the day. If the student wants to play football or uh, soccer or something like that, you can pair with a public school and your child will be able to participate in those different activities. Yes, that is awesome. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're just letting your child freely do it on their own and they decide that they're re ready to go to school, when they get ready to take that um, entrance exam, they're going to be put back in the grade that they actually scored um, in that, on that entrance exam. So, yes. So you need to make sure that you have a quality program if your child is taking a program at home, an online program. Um, so I, I support homeschooling as long as it is structured and you have a quality program that you are providing your child. Okay. And I want to talk about that because I've known so many people that have had excellent experiences with homeschooling. Their children have scored high standardized exams. And then I, you know, I know other stories where it's not so great. So I didn't know how, you know, just kind of what your thoughts were on that. But thank you so much. Mm-hmm. No problem. <laughs> so now in terms of um, college readiness and or kids who feel like they want a trade instead of going to college, just share with us some of your thoughts on that and ways that you think the education system is addressing those things. Exactly. Um, I, I really do believe that um, a lot of students would prefer a trade. Because people like to do things that's hands-on. Um, I support the community college in doing that, people going to get their associate's degree. Um, because a senior college is not for everyone. Um, you know, for us, that's, that was a path that we decided to go down. Um, because we chose not to go to a, a community college and, get, and actually learn a trade. Um, I don't think I'll be a great... Uh, cosmetologist or anything like that a stylist doing hair and makeup and stuff like that but there are other people who enjoy doing things like that um you know some of those trades we're we're starting to lose and because of that the ones who are like for instance a plumber a plumber makes a lot of money because he will tell you i'll come to your house for a hundred dollars just to see what's happening just to see what's happening for a hundred dollars. Look, before I fix anything. Before I fix anything, just for a hundred dollars. And now once I tell you what's the problem, now I'm going to charge you two hundred dollars to fix it. So right now I've made three hundred dollars off of you, just like that. So oh, the sky is the limit when it comes to trade. So I I love when someone say that I just want to go to community college and pick up a trade. I say awesome. Kudos to you because we're losing a lot of people in that area. Um, and we need those people. They make the world go around because those are your blue collar workers. And so we need students who go into that area. Um, and, and that's not downplaying senior college because, hey, I, I'm glad that I went to a senior college and, and learned. Um, and receive the degree that I received. But as well, you know, everyone's not going to go there. And I support students going to pick up a trade. 
And honestly, I tell folks this all the time. Um, I have a the MBA, but if I had to start over, I would go directly after high school. I would get an insurance license and a real estate license, and that's it. Um, I, you know, I'm a lifelong learner, so I believe in continuing, continuing education and professional development. But I don't know that I would have spent all the money that I spent going to school, getting licenses and degrees. Um, my graduating class was 30 people. My counselor, yes, we started with, yes, we started with 35 and 30 of us made it across the finish line. Well, you know, it was a teeny tiny school. We didn't, we didn't have any career counseling. The counselor that we did have, all she would do would tell, you know, she would say, take the ACT. Mm -hmm. Take the ACT. I don't even know that I understood that there was an SAT or any other sort of placement exam until I actually got to college. So, um, yeah, people that have trades in a lot of instances make more than people with degrees. Some people, yeah. yeah. As an entrepreneur, they start out, you know, you're 18, 21, and you have a trade. By the time most people finish college, and they have all these thousands of dollars. And depending on the type of school, hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt, you know, you have someone who knew early on that, hey, I want to build widgets, and now I make the best widgets, and I'm making all this money mm -hmm. versus someone who has all this debt from school, and they still are not cracking more than thirty, forty thousand $40,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why my hat is off to entrepreneurs. I've devoted my practice and my time to like bringing content like this to entrepreneurs for that reason, because mm -hmm. sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. Exactly. I totally agree. I totally agree. But um, schools are doing more now to tell students about different trades. Um, in fact, students are taking different types of assessments to find out what career path that they should go on. Um, so now um, students have a more ideal of which direction that they want to take their life into. And also teachers are talking to students about um, about those salaries, letting them know if you were a bricklayer, this is how much money you could possibly make in a year. Um, compared to you being a teacher, this is how much you're, you're going to make. So, you know, these are the types of conversations that are happening. Um, one thing that just, oh my gosh, my heart was overjoyed when um, I got to my new school and I was looking down the list of teachers and I saw one of my former first graders on the list. Oh my God. I, said, yeah. I said, wait a minute. I know this name. This name is not just a, a, a plain name. So I'm like, I wonder if this is the right person. So I started telling a couple of people, I'm like, hey, I think I know this person. So they was like, there she is over there. They called her over and they was like, do you know her? She was like, yes. They said, how do you know her? That was my first grade teacher. And I was like, oh my gosh. So the fact is that she ended up becoming a certified teacher. So, um, and the fact that she still remembers me, she knew my name and everything. And I was like, do I look the same from 20 years ago? <laughs> the same. Exactly the same. Yes. Exactly the same. <laughs> So, um, it, it's a great profession. It's a teaching is an awesome profession. And so I'm glad that I was able to have that type of impact on one of my students that she decided to become a teacher. 
Well, look, let's break it down. So you mentioned that she's a certified teacher, which kind of gives me some insight that you're also able to become a teacher who's uncertified. So if I want to become a teacher, what are the different paths that I can take to get there? Okay, you can take the traditional path, of course, by going to a senior college and actually majoring in education, which that's what majority of the people do is to just go the traditional route. Um, We also have the non-traditional route by taking um, something called MAT, and it's a master's program, and it's the non-traditional route to take to get to education, whereas people who probably majored in something such as um, business management, because now that I'm looking at um, applications, I'm seeing a lot of people who majored in business management, and they're not finding a job. So someone might recommend, hey, why don't you uh, go back to school and go the uh, MAT program so that you can become a teacher? And so they take this alternate route to becoming a teacher. And um, that's another way that you can get your certification and becoming a teacher as well. So we do have um, those two ways that you can become a certified teacher. Of course, we do have um, classified staff that are also teachers, and they sometimes are referred to as teacher assistants. Um, But for children, you're still a teacher. That's my teacher because you're still having that same impact. And some of those people might just have a high school diploma or they might have an associate's degree. So um, those are the type of teachers that you have at your school. And of course, um, people that we don't realize that are teachers as well, but they might have a different title, will be our custodians, our cafeteria staff, um, our office workers, such as our office managers. Those people also are teaching our kids indirectly um, because talking about morals they're talking about what's right and what's wrong when they see them in the hallway they're talking about picking up behind yourself when you're dropping paper on the floor or when you come to the cafeteria they're teaching you how to put your tray in the um, trash can because most schools just have paper trays now unlike us we had those little plastic ones that you had to put in the window and they had to rinse them out but yeah now they just throw them in the trash can but those people are teachers as well even though we don't see them as teachers, they're teaching kids each and every day. Every time they see one, they're teaching them. Well, let me just tell you, and I'm sorry, I'm getting hoarse, but let me just tell you my biggest concern about education. So my son, I didn't even realize that like when we were going to school, a 70 was passing. <laughs> so yeah, I was horrified. I got close to the 70. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh. But now a 60 is passing. Mm-hmm. he is okay with that and it blows my mind when did that happen I don't know if it just happened recently or when did that happen because it, it blows my mind and why did it happen in Mississippi um, it just recently happened um, when I say recently I'm talking about within the last um, probably 10 years mm-hmm. um, we moved to the 10 point scale because our students were not able to compete for scholarships because the northern Um, states had already moved to the 10-point scale and we were just behind the eight ball on that and moving to the 10-point scale so once someone that's at the higher level realized hey wait a minute everybody else is getting these scholarships because they're on the 10-point scale and we're still using the old scale that was not a 10-point scale so our kids were missing out on scholarships that they should have been receiving 
And so because of that, we moved to the 10 point scale. Now our students have um, a more of an opportunity to compete with others for scholarships. Well, I'm so glad you broke that down because I was feeling some kind of way uh, about a 60 being passing, but okay. Um, I understand. <laughs> right. I totally understand because I, I'm like 60. Oh no, that was an elf when I was going oh, to school. Elf. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have a family member, not naming names tonight, but I have a family member that failed, I want to say third grade, because, like, you know, he had a 69, but mm -hmm. he failed fourth grade with like a 60 something as well. So, yep. Yeah, that was a touching point, a touching point yeah. in our family. Yeah, we, but yeah, we just want our kids to have the, our scholars to have the same opportunity as everyone else and be able to earn those scholarships as well. So it's just about adjusting. That's all. Okay. Well, it's kind of like that new math that, uh, you know, you're getting the same answer, but you're having to go a different way. So that with scholarships, it's the same thing with on the 10 point scale. We, we, we had to go a different way to get there to ensure that our kids are getting the scholarships too. So what advice would you give someone who is looking to go into education um, as a career? Um, some advice that I would give you is um, don't give up. Don't give up. And the reason why I say that is um, during um, early on in my career, I was also an administrator in the school district that I'm in now. And I would go out to schools to observe teachers. And this one time I had to observe a new teacher and the principal just was not impressed with her at all. And but when I talked to her, I could tell that she had the passion and the drive to become an uh, awesome teacher. So I was determined not to support the principal in um, letting this teacher go during her first year. So I came to her classroom on a daily basis, assisted her with her classroom management, developing her rules, helping her to learn how to read the state curriculum. And at the end of the year, I had already seen progress in her. And so I had gotten another job somewhere else. So I left that district and I had not seen this person in several years. But luckily that next year she got a new principal. So her old principal had left. Had not seen her for several years. Went to Stein Mart on 55, parked my car. And when I got out the car, someone said, Miss Barnes. Miss Barnes and I turned around and she was like, Do you remember me? And I kept looking at her and I was like, Yes. And she told me her name and she said, I just want you to know that I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you so much. I learned so much from you. And I was like, Thank you. That just warmed my heart, right? So I thought it couldn't get any better. So Lel went on with my life. She went on with her life. I end up back in this district that I had left her in and saw her presenting at um, at a um, professional development in the district. And I was like, I know that lady, but I couldn't make the connection. I kept looking at her, kept looking at her. Then one day she comes to the school that I was working at and she has this arm full of gifts and she walks in and she's like, I wanted to bring you this. And I was like, what? 
She said, because I appreciate you so much. She said, you don't know that I end up becoming the state science teacher of the year. And I went on to be nominated for the presidential award for science. And yes, she just started naming all these awards she had won. And I was like, just imagine if she had given up in that first year or if that principal would have fired her she would have never gotten to her true potential. So what I recommend to a new teacher or someone who wants wants to go into education, don't give up. It might seem difficult in the beginning, but just like with anything, you have to learn that craft. And so you have to find your place in, in the classroom. And once you find your place in the classroom, you're going to be an awesome teacher. Don't um, listen to the chatter or other people or even the negative things that you're thinking about yourself, but be positive about uh, your journey in education. Stay in there. I ask you to stay in there at least three to five years. And then if you feel like this is this is not for me, then yes, go ahead and leave. Or you feel like that you're hurting children, go ahead and leave because we don't want any children to be hurt. But I think if you give yourself an opportunity and you under the right leadership, you'll be awesome. And don't give up. That's the biggest thing in education is don't give up because so I've watched so many people just walk away from education because they're either like, I have a bad leader or the kids are just bad. I, I can't do this. Don't I'm telling you, it's rewarding at the end of the day to watch someone walk up to you and say, hey, you were my teacher. I remember you. That means that they still think about you if they still remember you. And it's something about you impacted them. So just imagine having someone walk up to you out the blue and tell you that that is heartfelt. You I promise you you'll realize how important you are to to the society and to the world. Well, look, thank you so much for being with us today. And this has been another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Till next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Want more entrepreneurial content? I like this. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. I already subscribed. I just clicked on it. Don't forget to like and leave a review. Share with a friend that needs this in their life. I think you need this more than I. Oh, and make sure to follow Cherie on IG at Cherie Speaks. And remember to play big faster.